0: you love what you do you never feel like you're working that starts with a passion for anyone right and i love what i do so i never i never get bored of it
1: hey everyone and welcome to sports rd snippets i'm liz waluka a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics every wednesday i'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice insight and rewards of the profession Snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm super excited to have Jordan Mazer today on the podcast. Jordan has an incredible journey to becoming a sports dietitian. Jordan talks all about his role with the 49ers, how to take responsibility for your life, and the importance of goal setting to reach your sports dietitian dreams. Jordan is currently the director of performance nutrition and sports dietitian for the San Francisco 49ers. He obtained his bachelor's of science degree in nutritional sciences from the University of Connecticut and masters of science in exercise science with a concentration in sports nutrition from Florida State University, where he also completed his dietetic internship. Jordan also works as an advisor and ambassador to many nutrition and health brands to elevate and create education around their brands from a nutrition and human performance perspective additionally jordan writes and contributes to many media publications including men's journal his passion is sports and his drive is to make athletes the very best that they can be helping people become efficient running machines let's jump in and let's meet jordan hey jordan welcome to the podcast
0: hey liz thanks for having me i'm a uh... I've been following along for a while, actually, and uh, you have a rock star lineup of people, so I'm honored to to be included in this and, wow. and to chat more with you. Well,
1: thank you. I'm excited to have you. Jordan and I were just on um, a, I feel like I just was with you. We were just on um, a plant based plant based panel through UConn because Jordan went to UConn in undergrad, and um, yeah, we talked to all the alumni about plant based forward, not diet lifestyle. <laughs>
0: It was interesting though a lot of people are genuinely interested in it and there's it's just like an emerging trend especially like um, for common individuals like non-athletes but also in our athletic population not that they're like wanting to adopt it and they're like plant-based or vegan athletes because I have I don't have that many but they're curious about it and we talked about it like social media documentaries and all that like triggered that and really like made it explode over the last year so. Um, it is interesting Um, and I think we had a good talk I think it was it was really cool to be a part of that yeah
1: I was laughing one of the panelists was like follow Liz on Instagram she has great plant-based recipes and I was like oh god and everyone started following my like my personal Instagram and like I haven't posted since August and I don't post plant-based meals at all she meant fueling huskies but I was just like laughing because I was like oh god these people are in for like I don't know
0: I didn't even yeah. mention mine, but people started following me from that too. But mine's like, mine's kind of like a hybrid. Like no, I do a little bit of both, I, both, but it's not like. It would
1: have been you that should have been highlighted. <laughs> so I, I have 20 new friends. Yeah.
0: So now you definitely have to start posting plant-based meals because oh, they're God. expecting
1: it. The pressure's off. But yeah, let's jump in. Can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today?
0: Yeah. So um like you mentioned I went to UConn so I grew up in Connecticut so I'm a Connecticut native Uh, I was born and raised there and decided I wanted to stay and ended up doing my undergrad at UConn uh, which is great as you know it's where you are now Stores, Connecticut is uh in the middle of nowhere a little bit
1: what town I grew
0: up in Suffield Connecticut which is northern north of Hartford so it's about 40 minutes from UConn so it really wasn't too far for me and when I was coming out of high school I knew I was an athlete and I use that term loosely, but I was athletic, and I played sports growing up, and so, like, working out, eating healthy, like, that was all kind of part of my lifestyle up to that point, and then, you know, when you're 18, you're graduating high school, you're kind of forced to figure out, like, what you want to do with the rest of your life at that point, like, what do you want to study and go to college for, and so I started to think about just, like, what I was interested in, and it was, like, sports, nutrition, eating, I like cooking, too, so, like, I was, like, okay, nutrition sounds cool, and I was, I was always kind of that, kid that asked why so like I was like always curious I was really science-minded anyways but I was always curious like if you eat a hamburger or you eat your food like we eat all the time but then we just run but we don't think about it right we digest and our body just goes but I wanted to like know why like when I eat that hamburger how does it actually get converted and like make you run so I wanted to dive in. Sports nutrition really wasn't even like a thought though. I didn't know that I could do it at that time. Uh, being a registered dietitian, I started learning about the process and I said, okay, so I went to UConn. They had a great nutritional sciences program there. Um, so I started getting the foundation of science and doing all my prereq, prereq classes and um, science, chemistry, biochem, anatomy, and physiology, which I love. Anatomy and physiology is probably my favorite. It's just like learning about the human body. And then I um, it wasn't until my junior year with nancy rodriguez so they, there wasn't a director of sports nutrition like you when i was there and i graduated in 2012 from uconn and so nancy rodriguez was handling a lot of like the consulting with um and she, but she's a professor too so she's done she's a lot of research and great stuff over there and uh she actually i took her sports nutrition class elective which triggered my my thought that i could do this like i could concentrate i could be a sports dietitian like combined the best of both worlds like athletics and sports which I love and nutrition so I was like cool like she really triggered that and she was helped she was helpful and helping me guide in that too being kind of one of the early mentors of like all right well what does this field look like I didn't I didn't know what it was like to kind of even work with teams and, and what that role looked like um so I graduated I didn't realized at the time, like the whole process, I didn't have a great advisor on like the RD process, like the internship process and like how you actually had to be, what you had to do to become an RD. So when I finished, I, I also was on the crew team in at UConn. So I was like an athlete and I had a part-time job too. And I was working, you know, school full-time. So I didn't have a ton of time for like extracurriculars or like to build my resume outside of just like my coursework. Um, And then by the time senior year came, I realized how competitive dietetic internships were um, because I didn't do a coordinated program to get it done at the same time. And so I decided, all right, I'm gonna take a year off, um, get some more experience, real world experience. And so I worked in a couple clinical jobs as like a nutrition assistant at Manchester Memorial Hospital, which is like a small uh, adult care hospital there. And then uh, Connecticut Children's Medical Center. So I worked in like their, uh, I was a nutrition assistant there. My uh, my mom was actually, she's a PICU nurse. She's been a PICU nurse at Connecticut Children's for her whole career since they opened actually. So it's kind of cool to work there part-time. I was making like formulas for the NICU and I was in the formula room and doing like special diets and talking about allergies. But it was cool to get both sides. But through that experience, I realized clinical nutrition wasn't for me. It, I you know I think there's a, a ton of importance to it. I think you have to get a foundation for dietetics in the clinical world, but I was like, I, this isn't, I don't want to be in a hospital, this is not what was passionate for me, so I started to explore programs, and I came across, um, I needed to do a dietetic internship, I wanted to get my master's degree, I didn't want to double up in another nutrition degree, so I found the exercise, or the, the master's program down at Florida State, which is a combined master's dietetic internship, master's in exercise science, with a concentration in sports nutrition, so I went down there to Tallahassee, uh, had a great time, uh, learned a ton. I, I highly recommend to anyone to go get a master's degree in nutrition or some type of, complementary um, degree to your nutrition degree. Um, because I think I really dove more into the nutrition science and advanced nutrition and metabolism and vitamins and minerals and all of that in grad school, that I didn't get an undergrad. Um, and then obviously I learned a ton in my dietetic internship. I traveled all over Florida at, in different hospitals and, 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 um, public, um, public health food service. Um, I did a diabetes camp, um, with kids out there with type one diabetes. Like it's crazy. It was started, you know, like those kids are born that way. And so you have kids that are eight years old measuring, pricking them, measuring their insulin and calculating how many units of uh, insulin or blood sugar, and then calculating how many <laughs> units of insulin, right. at Eight years old. So, um, and then I did my sports nutrition experience, uh, rotation down there with X. Ex- so some Pensacola and Gulf Breeze Um, and that really kind of solidified like this is what I want to be doing I want to I I learned a lot through that I was there for the combine so basically four months from January to April time where kids and college guys were there prepping for the combine awesome got got to work hands on -on one-on-one with athletes where I start to really apply like what I was learning in school and in a real world setting and Exos was a great way to do that because they have a great foundation and program already set up sports nutrition and nutrition is a big part of the, the whole exos philosophy and program and at the time they were probably one of the highest um, they had the most like the highest percentage sports dietetics or sports dietitians um, of like any organization at that time so a ton of cool experience um, and then we'll talk about this a little bit more but then I did the Gatorade SNP sports nutrition immersion program through CPSDA after that I was when I was finishing up grad school I was applying to that got placed with the Philadelphia Eagles which was interesting because I, I didn't really even, it wasn't, that wasn't even my first choice. I didn't plan on oh, yeah, that's amazing. that. I actually yeah. wanted to, uh, I had, I worked, you know, I was looking at Alabama. I wanted to go to Texas. I wanted to do, um, I had interviews at those places and and Auburn. And I was trying to, I thought collegiate athletics was like my next move. And then uh, it just happened so that the the Eagles, it worked out. I got, the, I got placed there. And went up there, worked with Josh Hengst um, and his staff and the sports science staff up there for the whole year. That was a one-year fellowship when that season was over. Then I got the first director of nutrition job at UC Berkeley, which brought me out to California, which was a crazy experience because it was, I was, had just one year, you know, internship fellowship experience out of my Gatorade SNP. And now here I am going over there and they, didn't have anything established, so it was exciting because, you know, there's the ability to build a program, um, my vision, but at that point, I didn't have a ton of experience, but I was, like, eager and, and willing to, like, learn and, and, and figure it out, but there's a lot, as you know, in college athletics and NCAA and, you know, administration, there's a lot involved in that that I wasn't prepared for at the time, but um, embraced it all, learned as much as I could, um, grew a lot from that. Um, and then just under a year there, I got a call from the 49ers to, to come down and interview. Uh, they were hiring their first full-time dietitian. So this was 2015 for the, no, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Um, and they still had not had a full-time dietitian. They were, they were doing either consultant or there was a, another strength coach that was kind of handling nutrition. So it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And uh, so I've been here for four years now through we a rebuild to the Super Bowl last year. And uh, now I'm going into my fifth season. So that's the, uh, the short but long answer of, of where I uh, got to where I am now.
1: That's amazing. I think it's so funny because, like, I guess I would have thought you put the Eagles first only because you ended up in a pro football position. But is that kind of crazy how that all panned out? Like, could you not have imagined being with the Eagles and then moving on to this role? Or?
0: I'm a full full believer in like everything happens for a reason it sounds really cliche but like I I took opportunities as they came I didn't apply because the way the snip worked at that time it was only like the second or third uh I think it was like the third class to do it and you basically rank you do a ranking of like who you're interested in and then the the host sites would rank the candidates and then you would kind of do interviews and match up based on mutual interest and, and whatever so my, my information was out there and I think um, Josh Hanks, who, who was a dietitian and head strength coach up there, had seen the resume and um, reached out and I added it to my list and I was like, of course, I'd love to at least chat and have an interview with them. And uh, we just clicked and it sounded like it was the perfect fit and, and, and uh, the rest is history.
1: Wow. So from your SNP experience, was there any like lessons that you learned working with the Eagles that, have, that has helped you in your role today with the 49ers?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's crazy, like you said, how things work. Because it wasn't—I didn't plan it. I didn't initially think that's where I was going to end up, or initially, originally wanted. I thought college was going to be where I started, but you know, I went in there. So Josh Hinks was the head strength coach in RD. He started with as an RD and Nebraska, kind of transitioned over to sports uh, nutrition. I mean, uh, strength and conditioning, Jacksonville, and then got up, got up uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles up there, and so they uh, also had, um, kind of a nutrition assistant. He was like a chef that helped out and like the performance side of things, but it wasn't really established per se. They didn't have anyone full time as a, as that role. So I went up and I wanted, I was eager to learn and I was ready to learn and, and kind of, you know, immerse myself in that, but I kind of hit the ground running. Um, Josh was, was, was so focused in, in leading the strength and conditioning world. And he really wanted someone and. Uh, to come up and kind of lead and, and run the the nutrition help out with that part. And so, you know, not a ton of direction. Uh, so I kind of was thrown into the fire a little bit. And so at the time, I think in any role, right, you kind of go in with expectations and it's not always that way. So you kind of have to adjust and adapt and learn on the fly. And so that's what I did. And so, you know, he was great when I had questions and I needed to bounce ideas off of him. But the other, the other plus was like, he let me do my thing and, and let me do and run my, you know, how things should have been run and what needed to be done. And let me do that. And so there were obviously times of frustration and growth and confusion and, but I embraced it all and, and took it as it came. And, and Josh was great to support that. And, and it was really, they were running a sports science uh, sports performance program up there that was a little bit more advanced for that time. So Sean Hulls was the director of sports science over there um, of high performance. And so I was really—it was my first experience of like what that means. Like, how does a dietitian and nutrition role fit into this idea of sports science, which was kind of this new newer concept? Chip Kelly was the head coach at the time, so he had been doing it at Oregon, brought it to the NFL kind of for the first time, and so I really kind of got a firsthand experience of what that looked like. Like, how, how does strength and conditioning work with nutrition, work with sports medicine? all to integrate it all. How do you take data and science that's emerging right now, uh, GPS, external load management and to help manage, ultimately to to take care of player health and performance and reduce injuries as much as you can, right? It's inevitable in football, but like all this technology and science is coming out. So how do we use it to help the betterment of the player, but use it in an effective way, not just collect data, to collect data, but to use it um, that's going to be actionable and impactful to those athletes. So that was my first experience with that. And then, you know, here at the 49ers, we've just continued to, you know, build that over time, um, four years, five years in now, we really run a a really comprehensive sports science program that, you know, we're really proud of. And if we refined it, we have a, the way ours, ours works is we have a, um, a director of, of performance, and then we have strength and conditioning, we have sports med and then nutrition departments underneath him. And so we all work together, but. Um, you know, in our own lanes, but together. So there's a lot of crossover, but we all support each other. We all understand our importance, our roles, um, and working together. So, yeah, I mean that that SNP experience really kicked it off for me. So I I have uh, you know a lot of respect for that program, and it, I first learned about it because I happened to be in at Auburn University at the time for uh, Scott to meet with Scott just because I was there and. He was the first he was the president of CPSC at the time. And so he was like, Hey, you know, I was just networking, asking kind of like his pathway and, and advice and everything. And um, he was like, you, have you thought about the SNP program? And I was like, Ah, oh, I have I saw it on like the Lister, but I haven't really looked into it. And so he triggered me to look into it. And then it kind of went from there. So so yeah, it's it's been a great ride and and all of my I've learned from all the places I've been and uh, that really the SNP program is so valuable to anyone trying to get, you know, practical applied you know, experience for anyone coming up.
1: That's amazing. The like, just talking about like being thrown in the fire, but the autonomy and to think how, how you were allowed to kind of create your own thing with the Eagles and how that probably helped you so much. Like at the time it was probably really exciting, but also like, I don't know what I'm doing, but. It's just like amazing being thrown in the fire as weird as that sounds, or now that you can look back, but it, that must've been able to translate so well when you got to the 49ers to have that entrepreneurial mindset that you, because you've done it before. And I think SNP, yeah. SNP helps you do those things even though it it can be frustrating at times. Like that's why it's called the immersion program because you are immersed. They are not kidding about that.
0: <laughs> I was really, uh, like you said, there's times of frustration. Like Josh was a great preceptor and mentor I learned a little bit more from like, I got a lot more strength and conditioning and sports science because of the program that we're running in his background in both nutrition and strength and conditioning. You're right. There are times when you're frustrated. And I think that also was like my first experience because I still deal with that today. Like, you know, no matter how many years you are a dietitian or in this field, like you're always going to experience frustrations. But, you know, in hindsight, looking back on that time with being thrown in the fire and being frustrated or, you know, confused or, or whatever at the time there's a silver lining, right? Because I still take that with me today, like understanding like, all right, I can be frustrated and I might not know what I'm doing right now. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to either ask people or I, I know that I'm going to get through it. So I don't let it derail me. Um, but yeah, I, I took a lot. That's like a main, one of the biggest things I took away from that experience. So yeah, you got to embrace, uh, embrace the, um, the hurt sometimes.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's super funny. I don't know where I read about this, but like when you're really frustrated, it actually just means you're really passionate about something else. Maybe like, instead of looking at it, like I'm so angry and it feels like just like a burden. It's really more like, Hmm, why am I feeling like this? Sounds super weird, but like, why am I feeling this way? Just because I care about doing something another way. So I don't know. It's just interesting to kind of really break it down. And when you are feeling angry or upset, like just really think through that it's, it's okay to feel those things, but you know, just. It's actually kind of a good thing because it, it helps you figure it's out. like an
0: eagerness. Yeah. It, like, it lights a fire in you, right? Like Ooh. an eagerness to figure it out and learn, right? You, you like get frustrated because you don't know, but like it should light a fire in you. Like, all right, I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm not going to let this frustrate me again next time it happens.
1: Yeah. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to ask for help. I think that's something that when you're younger, you like, I don't know what it is. You're like afraid to ask for help. Or like maybe you just think it's just what it is, but.
0: And that's why building up your network is is, is helpful too and so important in our, in our field because there's so many people that are going through things for the first time or in an organization where maybe you're the first dietitian and there's no one that is gonna tell you what to do. You have to figure it out yourself. Like you might probably know that at UConn, I'm, there was no one really in that role before you. And so, you know, when, you, when you're when you going through something for the first time and you get super frustrated and there's no one there to help you, if you're the director, you um, kind of your responsibility to figure it out but there's other people that more than like there's someone else in your network if you can call them up and say hey i i do not know what to do or i had this conversation or my director told me i needed to do this and i have no idea or i have this athlete that i have i cannot get through to um and other perspectives oftentimes help you get through those challenges
1: For sure. So I know you talked a little bit about the sports science in, um, you know, with the Eagles and then translating that, bringing that over to the 49ers. Can you talk about your day-to-day as, um, a sports dietitian working with the 49ers, your role, the nutrition program and just working with the guys?
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's everyone's, uh, it's pretty common in our world to say there's no day, no days the same. So, uh, every day is a little bit different. There's no typical day. Um, which is what, what I love about our field and, and what I love here. So I always say I wear many different hats here with the 49ers. So I oversee, our, uh, first I oversee our food service. So when I came in, uh, we had a chef. So we have an in-house food service. So we have Bon Appetit. Uh, so a third party um, in-house uh, kitchen, dining hall, everything um, in here uh, and they're contracted. And so we have a chef who had been here previously before me. And so when I came in, he was, he was sort of responsible for making the menus before, but was making food and menus based on what like the coaches and players wanted, which as you and I know, and a lot of people know, like that's not always what's good for them, uh, what they should be eating, especially the coaches sometimes. Um, so it, I had to come in and, and I couldn't do like a complete 180 on him and, and tell him like, we needed to change everything? It was kind of a where we needed to the low hanging fruit when it came to nutrition. Um, so after the first year, Uh, of just like getting him up to speed and telling him about my philosophy on nutrition and doing some basic kind of nutrition education with him and like introducing some of the concepts of like what I would look for like what what types of carbohydrates are there and why there are some that are better than others and on certain days and and why fruits and vegetables are really important but more importantly like where they're placed on the buffet line is also important and why that matters for players Um, like different cuts of meat and why we should always have variety because of different flavors and then you know, the reduction of salt and different use of spices versus a ton of salt and sauces and things like that, cream-based sauces, like those were some low-hanging fruit that we could make some quick changes. And then I really wanted to dive in on like nutrition quality. So where we were sourcing those ingredients from too was really important to me. And I think in nutrition is is very important, right? Where are you getting the chicken from? Like it's a grilled chicken breast um, is different than like a free range, organic, air chilled chicken versus you know, a cheaper chicken breast that's in a chlorine bath and that's how it's cool. So it's like, I needed to go through and we did an audit audit of like mostly the proteins and um, the produce and where those were coming from. And in California, we're really lucky because everything grows in California pretty much all year round. So everything is, is local and fresh. And so we try to go as local and organic and as fresh as possible. Um, and so, yeah, again, being in California, we were able to source most of our ingredients within, um, A hundred mile radius of our facility, which is awesome, and there's some exceptions to that. Um, There's a funny story. I one time walked in the back of the kitchen, and they were defying shrimp, and I don't know, you know this, but shrimp are one of the more contaminated foods that we consume, right? And so uh, they're bottom feeders, and a lot of times they're just not not high quality. Um, So I looked at the box, and it said farm raised shrimp from Indonesia, and I said, I said my chef, I was like, look. First of all, like we know that shrimp are not one of the cleanest protein sources, but why are we shipping in (laughs) shrimp from Indonesia where we don't necessarily know where they're coming from? Um, So that's just an example. So then now we found uh, like uh, free or like um, wild caught shrimp from the Gulf of Mexico, right? That's an example where it's a little bit further out, but there's no shrimp in the San Francisco Bay. So we're going to get them from Mix <laughs> over there. Um, but that matters to me. And now and like the, the um, it matters for the flavor of the food, but it also matters um, to the players. Right. Are we getting the maximum nutrients from that? And so that was a big project um, from the food service side. And then I work with him closely on ordering all supplements, all, you know, uh, you know, electrolytes and uh, probiotics and different things that we also provide. Um, we make all custom shakes Pre-COVID, they were all custom based on what the guys needed and their flavors. So everyone would get their own shake based on what they needed uh, for post-workout. Um, so I worked closely with him and the kitchen staff on all of that. Stocking our fuel station. So we have two different, we have our cafe. We have a smaller one in, the, in the, our weight room and then a one in our locker room too. Because we're our facility is directly next to our stadium, which is rare. Most facilities aren't near their stadium in the NFL. Usually the stadiums are just separate. And usually just drive there on game day ours is literally right next to it so our players use the game uh the stadium locker room as their everyday locker room too on even on practice days so we, we stock it over there um because as you know sometimes when you ask a player to walk to the cafe to go pick something up it's too far then uh it needs to be right in front of them outside the locker room because otherwise they're not going to watch the you know the extra 500 feet to, to the cafe um so I work closely with them. Uh, the second, the second part is uh, sports medicine. So I work with sports med on all injury. Uh, like I said, like football uh, is a is an impact sport, so injuries are inevitable. But there are certain nutrition parameters and protocols that we've implemented for tendinopathies. Right? What are the nutrition um, modalities and nutrition prescriptions that we can apply to help alleviate uh, tendinopathy and tendinitis, um, soft tissue injuries? Right? There's nutrition that. Um, protocols that we've created to help with that that are very common in, in sports. Bone healing, right? Broken bones. What are the nutrition protocols for that? Uh, we have long-term injuries, so ACLs. Like the guy's gonna be out. There's a huge um, impact in nutrition for their short-term recovery and long-term recovery, right? Post-surgery and then uh, long-term in terms of lean body mass, maintaining lean body mass, reducing body fat um, accumulation, um, and monitoring that. And then concussions, right? There's, a, there's some level of uh, nutrition that will play a role in concussion management. So working with sports med on all of that uh, and then going over blood work with them. So I work closely with our team physician on creating panels and biomarker panels on analyzing a lot of the nutrients in blood, uh, making sure that we're measuring the right ones. And we want to measure ones that are um, actionable, right? So things that we can actually make an impact if they're um, not only deficient, um, but insufficient in, right? Insufficient in, in, um might not present with any type of um, symptom or side effect. They might not know that otherwise, but they're also not optimizing that unless we can look at the blood and say, hey, you know, your RBC magnesium is not where it needs to be. And our magnesium is used for so many functions in the body. Like, let's get that back up. Vitamin D is another one, too, that you're, unless you're super deficient, um, you're not going to have any side effects. But we know vitamin D has been such a hot topic in sports nutrition um, and its impact on health um, that it's important to get that up, especially in different regional areas and different times of the season and year for with sun exposure. Um, And then strength and conditioning. So I manage all body weights and body composition for all of our athletes. I go over the body weights, the body weight ranges. That's important for the position. We don't put a huge emphasis on it, but there's a role and importance in holding players accountable for where they should be to ultimately be their best, right? It's not to put them at anything that's unrealistic, but it's so that they become the best player. They're in a position, they're in a body body fat percentage or a body weight that's going to let them thrive. And so they're not overweight or underweight. Um, and actually we, we deal with more the rigors of the season and stress and everything guys losing weight is is, is more common than having guys um. Uh, or maintaining weight was more of a challenge than guys having to cut weight or being overweight. And then, so we use, we have a DEXA here too. So we have a, we use that for body composition. So we're lucky to have our own DEXA here um, to be able to manage and look at that and segment a lean analysis versus just, you know, a single percentage number um, or like, you know, using bioelectrical impedance or skin folds, You can actually see where guys are holding their Uh, lean body mass and body fat and and if we're trying to make those changes or they're losing weight or gaining weight but where is that it becomes super important too when returning from returning to play so like a guy that's an ACL they're going to have atrophy and you can actually look at the um, muscle mass difference between the left leg and the right leg to see if they're like back to where they were pre-injury and making progress um, and and making sure that they're returning to play properly and you have balance between the two limbs and there's no discrepancy Um, and then, you know, on top of all that, we, we do uh, travel nutrition. So um, what we serve, I work with our charter, United. We use United since I've been here and working with the flight attendants, it's what we serve on the plane. We then all the hotels, as you know, right, and BEOs and making sure those are all, and you can have the same menu, but it's going to come out very differently at every hotel, depending on where you go. Um, and you're going to
1: so, forget one condiment too every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you have like, 25 condiments and and like there's you got to have like Heinz Heinz 57 and like one coach likes that but you cannot forget that um so you got to think of everything and all the details especially on those BEOs for hotels um and travel like and then obviously game day nutrition too so pre-game nutrition uh halftime nutrition hydration on the field if guys need uh cramping uh if they're cramping or an electrolyte needs and then refueling um, and then post game meal, right, you always got to plan the post game meal. Um, and so all of that game day nutrition, um, and then just special caterings that always just tend to pop up depending on the last minute uh, schedule change. So that's like the, the short answer of my, of my day to day responsibilities.
1: So you have a lot of free time, it sounds like. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I love it though I mean if you're not if you're not busy and, and you don't love like I, as the old cliche like if you love what you do you never feel like you're working I still that starts with a passion for anyone right and I love what I do so um I never I never get bored of
1: it I love it well let's talk about the cerebral so what's kind of crazy was was that you're like that had to be the greatest thing you've done before a pandemic like it has to be like to think that was before COVID is that the bar thing about? It that? is
0: it is crazy. That was a year ago. So last February. And I think this whole year has been like a time warp, like for everyone. Like it's been so much has happened, but at the same time, nothing's happened because like everything's been shut down. But like so much has happened. Like uh, I, I I think like that was like at the end, like it was just the start of the pandemic. So that was like February, um, early February of last year. Things didn't really it's been almost like a year. So it was like mid you know, beginning of March when like lockdown started happening. I remember it was right now, like this time, that's the California shut down, San Francisco shut down. We went in lockdown and quarantine, but yeah, that was like, I'm, I'm so grateful that we got that experience and were able to play the game and had a full stadium. Um, It must've been weird this year with half the fans, you know, half empty. Um, I'm glad that some fans and the the front um, front frontline workers were able to go and attend this year, but yeah, last year, it seems like forever ago, like I felt like we were in the Super Bowl so long ago, but it really was last year. Um, so it's been a whirlwind since.
1: How was that experience like at the Super Bowl? Was that just like, could you believe it? Like, was it just a, was it just like a dream come true? Or like, what, what was it like? Did,
0: so, so I think as a sports dietitian um, in the NFL, like everyone's goal is to wanna to help support the team and win a Super Bowl. Everyone wants to ring, everyone wants to, that's the ultimate goal for everyone. The coaches, the players, like that's the pinnacle. One team is only happy at the end of the year because there's only one team that wins the Super Bowl, and everyone's striving for it. every single year. Like right now, we're the season's over, and so our goal is to get there next year and, and win it. Um, and so is all of 32 or 31 other teams, and so yeah, it was it was crazy. We had a it was just a fun year. Um, you know, we we got off to an 8 and 0 start, we were rolling, we were clicking, we had great um, camaraderie within the team. Winning helps everything, right? You're winning, everything else kind of seems to fall into place. Losing sucks. Um,
1: the shrimp tastes good when, when you win, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The food is good. There's nothing wrong with the menu. Like you could serve salads and everyone's like, yeah, like, I'll do anything you tell me to do. Like winning definitely helps everything. And so we were on a roll, we were having fun. We were, we were doing really well. And we realized we had a special team. Like we had a good group of players. Um, that were bonded together. Um, and that's a big part of it too. And then we were staying healthy, which is a big part. And everyone was, you know, your best uh, ability is your availability and having your best players on the field is key. And so we were rolling and we got to the, the, the best part, but even before we got to the Super Bowl, our last game against Seattle was probably a little bit more memorable or just as memorable because we went up to Seattle who's a, our biggest arrival. Those games are always intense. And so went up to Seattle and whoever won that game was going to win the division and then win the number one overall seed, which was huge in, in the NFL because you get a first round bye, So you get more rest after the long season, after the wild card round. So huge game. And we went up there. Um, we were uh, 12 and three and one game left. And we, so the end of the game, fourth quarter, they were driving, Seattle was down on the goal line with, uh, they had like It was uh, first and 10 in the red zone, right? And first and goal, um, they had four opportunities. Um, It was just a crazy end of the game. And then we literally tackled them um, and ended the game on the half, like the one-inch yard line before they got in and won the the game that way. And that's how we won the division and kind of like sprung sprung us into the playoffs. And then we rolled. we We beat the Vikings, and then we beat the Packers in the championship round. And then you kind of get a chance to breathe because you have two weeks from the championship game to get to the Super Bowl. And so our Super Bowl is in Miami uh, that year. And so the first week is really the time that you get you stay at home and where your game planning happens. Because once you get to Miami, there's a lot of distractions. You got to do media. There's a lot going on. And it's just kind of a whirlwind. You're not you're not in your home. You're not like in your comfort zone and what you're used to. So you do your game plan and get a good week of practice. It's a huge send off, right? It's a big event, a lot of fun to get down there for the Super Bowl. Um, you practice, you try to keep a normal week as much as you can, but you're in a hotel for a week. You got a lot of events, you got media, different requirements. Um, the NFL says you have to do. Everyone's got family down, right? Everyone's family and friends are coming down to the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of distractions, but you got to stay focused. Um, we practice at the University of Miami. So each team gets a practice site. So we practice at the U. Um, and so there's some logistic challenges with nutrition, obviously being at a hotel for a week, we had to do the menus, make, try to keep things normalized for the guys being up to that game as much as what they're used to. Um, and then we had to, you know, make sure we got post-workout and, um, post-practice nutrition, everything set up over there, um, use their weight room too. So, um, it's a little bit of a, a challenge. There's a lot going on that week leading up to it. And then you get to the game and, you know, I, uh, the players, the coaches, that's everything they've been working for. They've worked super hard all year. Everyone's worked really hard to get to that point. And there's like, there was a moment I'll always just remember standing on the sideline for the, um, the national Anthem. That's just like, it's quiet and like everything is, it's the energy. Like you feel it versus like, cause everyone's quiet for that. It that's like, that was crazy. And then the game, you know, there's kickoff and there's so much energy and excitement. It's a different feeling and then you know it didn't end up the way that we wanted it to uh it was a great game for for until six minutes left in the fourth quarter but, but uh that's why you pay you play the you play fourth four quarters and uh unfortunately we came up a little bit short um Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback so uh hopefully we'll be back you know it wasn't the ultimate goal we didn't we didn't reach it but um it was a special season um and yeah that was a is something I'll never forget and hopefully we'll get back soon and, and actually uh, win that game
1: that's amazing it's it's cool I didn't realize you'd be in a hotel for a whole week but I can only imagine the planning and the distraction and the excitement and I mean that's crazy though what an amazing you, experience
0: incredible and usually you get it the team picks the hotel but for that the NFL picks the two hotels so you don't really get a choice of where you're staying um, and so we were we were staying downtown but they were they were great to work with um, and so we didn't have any major hiccups so it was good that's good we had I brought my espresso machine down so like everyone was happy that's all I really needed yeah
1: and then the way on the flight home did the food start getting bad because because you lost now it's all the complaints are coming out about the postgame meal
0: well the the tough part is you um, Eat that. yeah that's the, you stay there the night so normally after a game oh. you just leave after the game but you stay that night and then leave the next morning um, yeah, and things like that it would be great if you. It's different if you win, but losing is is not so fun. It takes a little bit of time to kind of reflect. That's so soon and so fresh. But like we had a special season. It was a great season. We had we were thirteen and three. Went to the Super Bowl. We set, um, you know, we had some great players that set records, and it was it was a crazy season. We just came up a little bit short, but it just pushes you to keep, you know, to get back there and, and doing do what, what you need to do to get there again.
1: Amazing. All right, what is the best piece of advice you've received in your career up until this point?
0: Uh, So that's a little uh, multi-fold, but um, I think work hard, stay humble, and listen more than you speak. I think that those are really powerful things to kind of, I've always carried with me. Um, you, You have to have a passion for what you do um so to me that came naturally I didn't really have to force it I, I started like I said when I was in high school I knew what I wanted to do and pursued my interests and it ultimately came to a career that I love um and I still have a passion for but that didn't mean that it didn't take a lot of work so you have to be willing to work hard nothing gets handed to you um in any field but especially our field you got to be able to work hard and and network and and honestly be the best that you can be in your position every dietitian if you want to be successful and this is for young dietitians right Strive to be the best dietitian, sports dietitian ever, right? You want to be the best and whatever it takes, learn the most, stay up to date on everything. Uh, Always be learning um, and keep setting goals because if we're not setting goals, then how are we ever going to accomplish anything? So setting short-term goals has always helped me. Having long-term goals is key, but then what are the short-term goals that you can chip away to get to ultimately where you want to be? Um, Because like if I wanted to be in the NFL as a director of sports nutrition outside of right out of school after pass my RD exam. That was my ultimate goal, but I knew I wasn't going to get there. So what were the small steps I could take to ultimately get there. Um, And that's with anything in life right anything you want to achieve and I think everyone should be striving towards setting goals. I'm very goal oriented. But like I said, if if you don't have goals, what are you working towards, right? People can kind of get lost or things can get monotonous if you're not continuing to grow and learn and advance. Um, But I think more broadly, right, I think, you know, your life is your own responsibility. So there's only one person and one person alone that has control over your life, and that's that's you. So um, since you're the only person that you can control, I think uh, you're the only person that can take responsibility for your own life and where it goes, and that includes you know, your energy, your happiness, your fulfillment, your career, your choices, your relationships, all that. And so once you start realizing that you're kind of in control of your own destiny and you're responsible for that and not anyone else, you can really start to continue to grow and advance um, in, in many different ways. So if you aren't happy with where you're currently at, you have to look at the habits and the actions that have led there and then change those. Because those are some of the, like the things that I carry with me all the time. Um, and not just my career, but also my personal life that really translate into continual growth. So you never get in a rut. You never get into an area where you get bored um, and just try to be a lifelong learner. Um, So you're always just getting better.
1: That's amazing. I love just like the energy and like taking responsibility. It's so true. Like you are, you're responsible for, you know, you you wake up, you choose how you want to spend your day. You choose how you want to spend your time, where your energy is, you're, there's going to be times where like you don't agree with what's going on or you're angrier, but there's no better like power than shifting your energy towards some somewhere where it's worth your time. And that, yeah. that's been something I've learned. Like, I don't know if it's been because of like COVID or just like, if you can shift your energy, you will thrive. Like you will be so happy. And I think when you're younger, it's much harder because you, you don't have as much, much experience yet. So everything's kind of yeah. new to you, but if you can shift your energy, you're going to be more productive, you're going to provide more value in your work, and you're ultimately going to get to that goal that you originally set, you just, there's, a, it's just a different way to get there.
0: I think understanding, like, control what you can control, so being frustrated is, is normal, like, we're going to hit, you're going to hit roadblocks, you're going to hit frustrations, you're going to, things are not going to go the way that you planned, but you're going to pivot, adjust, and adapt, I think we've learned that more than ever during COVID, right? That's, the, that's like the, the story of 2020 and COVID, but um, realizing that like you're responsible for all that, no one's gonna hand you everything. Like there are gonna be, there are gonna be people there to help you along the way for sure, you need support. Um, at the end of the day though, that's your life, that's your goals, that's your responsibility, Those, that's your energy that you're responsible for. Like you can wake up and decide how that day is gonna go. And then when you do hit those uh, frustrations and and roadblocks, like, are you going to let them defeat you? Or are you going to let that be a learning opportunity and grow from it? You know what I mean? Um, And so those are like really important things that I like try to remind myself because our field is frustrating sometimes. Like we're, it's still relatively new and a lot of us are trailblazers and there's a lot of people that you've already had on this podcast that like I looked up to that helped me along the way. And I'll be the first to admit that I don't know everything. And I also am the first to admit that I didn't get to where I am without people's help along the way. So uh, guys like Rob Skinner was a was a huge, uh, he's like the greatest of all time. He's, he's such a great dude that I learned from. Um, Ted Harper with the, with the New England Patriots was another mentor that I would always just like call up and ask and just get his advice or feedback on anything. Um, and then there are people like, you know, Scott Center along the way and uh, and I remember having conversations with Jen Gibson and Kevin Lures guy, people that were like in the role that I wanted to do. And I wanted to learn like their pathway, because I think you and I talked about a little bit, like everyone's pathway is different. Like there's not one pathway to get to where I was or where you are to be a sports dietitian. Like everyone's got their unique pathway. So I think one, uh, one thing I could, I guess, advice I could give to, you know, younger dietitians or students that, you know, always reach out or are listening here. Is, is to network, learn from those people that have positions or jobs that you want and don't reach out because you want them to get you a job or you want a job from them, or you want something from them. Just have a conversation like that, it's, it starts there. Can I can I borrow five, 10 minutes of your time? I'd love to learn about you know your role, your your road to where you are. If you have any advice, like that's all I wanna do. And then maintain those relationships. I think that's an, another mistake some people make um, when they grow professionally is don't forget you know, people that help you get there, um, and so, um, and I always try to give back. <laughs> you and I talked about it. Um, I it, Sometimes you got, it's a time management thing, too, and, and so I try to get back uh, as much as I can. Um, emails are tough sometimes. I try to stay on top of them as much as I can, but, um, you know, people reaching out all the time, um, I always encourage them, and, and if anyone, like, everyone wants to reach out to me now, like, and I don't respond the first time, send me like five emails, I'll eventually get back. It's not personal, I just <laughs> in my in my inbox. And I, I think a lot of dietitians can relate to that and understand that.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I like, re- I think, it, I don't know if it sounds obvious or it doesn't, but like if you're reaching out and curious about someone's path, like likely they're gonna be flattered, you know what I mean, and they want to talk to you. So I think that's a really good point of like, think of all the people you can reach out and be like, I would love to hear about your path, they more than willing, they would more than happy to get on a call with you and, and talk about. Themselves. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm happy to not, not from that oh, point myself. of view, but like, I also forget sometimes. So I had a, I actually had a girl that she's a, a junior in high school and she was like interested in nutrition and uh, her dad reached out and says, Hey, do you mind connecting? She just wants to like, have. she didn't know. And I, I forget, like I was there at one point, like, I forget what it's like to be 17, 18 years old. And like, I she just wanted to know and like some of the stuff that were basic to me because I've been doing it for so long and that was my pathway um, was like novel to her and she's like you know it's like helped me so much just to hear like what your role is and what you do because it sounds like you love that and and that's cool like that makes me want to pursue but like the process too is confusing for a lot of students like dietetic internship process and then the nutrition like what your degree is and then the master's degree and like how did that's all done um, is important to understand from the start, but.
1: Show genuine interest is the point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think, understand. yeah, yeah. And be professional, right? <laughs> be professional when you reach out. Know how to, you know, be professional when write an email. But I've had, I've had people like DM me on like, on my social medias and they're acting like I'm, we're already friends and like bros. And I'm like, I, I don't know you. Like let's, there's a level of professionalism like that you're going to have to learn and carry with you because that is still really important um and so yeah I think you know students need to kind of learn that a little bit um I still do that too and the problem is like no one teaches you that though like no one taught me in school like professionalism like it should be innate right it should be basic, like, common sense but it's not for for some people but so just keep it professional right do your salutations right your dear whoever it is uh and then do a sign off at the end Um, it's pretty basic, but yeah, that's, I think it's, it's important to me.
1: We're going to call it genuine professional communication.
0: Yeah. It should be a class. Let's sell a, you want to, we should do a masterworks class.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Ready for the rapid fire round. All right. Go-to flavor at the dairy bar.
0: Oh, banana chocolate chip. Incredible. Yeah. It's a wild card. Yeah. It's not common. But it, hands down, is the best flavor there. Have you had it?
1: uh, No, I've only had, I've only actually, this is kind of embarrassing. For anyone listening, the Dairy Bar is, like, the most well-known thing about UConn. It's, like, famous for the
0: Cowboys. Besides our basketball teams, but yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Obviously our basketball team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mean the campus, yeah.
1: Yeah, sorry, the food, the food. I've only been there twice, but it's like not that close to my office and I'm not just gonna go on a walk and get ice cream in the middle of the day.
0: Where are you in Gamble?
1: I'm in the field house. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's not that far. Anyways, well-known ice cream place on camp. I've, I've gotten chocolate chip cookie dough. That's my go-to in life.
0: Go banana chocolate chip, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll thank me.
1: Favorite Mario Kart character? Bowser. Really?
0: Yeah. Well, who's so- yours, Peach?
1: No, I feel like everyone hates Peach, no? She's so...
0: No, I love, no. Or... I
1: love, Boun- no, I, I love Yoshi and Toad.
0: Yeah, Yoshi's cool. Toad's cool.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I mean, they have Mario, Luigi. Oh,
1: Mario and Luigi. <laughs> I'm like, who are the other ones, the main two? Yeah, yeah. Yoshi and Toad, I like I like Toad. Not Bowser. Not, yeah, not Bowser. I'm gonna have to pull the audience and ask who they like, sorry. Yeah. Um. Okay. I feel like you're going to love this one. Favorite nutrition myth to debunk.
0: Well, I think the most common one is creatine is bad for you or creatine causes, you know, bloating or creatine is bad for your kidneys. Like that's a very common one that I get most often. Um, Bananas help cramping, I think is another one that I love debunking. That is not true that we don't actually lose much potassium in our, um and our sweat it's like more closely related to sodium and chloride than potassium but like there's a running joke here because one player still like held that like someone taught him that in college and so he was cramping on the sideline and he was screaming for a banana and i was like
1: no dude
0: it's not the reason you either dehydrate or it's like a neuromuscular function like i needed i gave him a hot shot right people use hot shots or or pickle juice to shock the nervous system right if it's just a misfiring of the nerves or just fatigue you eating a banana is not going to help you. Um, So that's one of my favorite ones too. Um, Those are probably the two most common um, favorite ones to kind of debunk.
1: Maybe this is more college level, but I think even being here for three and a half years, I love educating people. Like when I ask what has more protein, skim milk or almond milk, and I get them all the time. Don't you think so many people don't know almond milk doesn't have as much protein as cow's milk i feel like that's such a debunker
0: that's actually that's a long debate too. people that believe that dairy is bad for them but like milk cow's milk you know whatever your beliefs are um is one of the most nutritious foods and like cheapest most nutritious foods that we can include in our diets or like anyone can include in their diets calcium uh protein vitamin d like it's a it really is a nutrient-packed drink for someone that needs all those, that nutrition or is on a budget.
1: I'm laughing because I'm just thinking like, I've never said this out loud, but like pro-cow.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, last question, are you ready? Okay. If you could tell your younger already self one thing, what would you say?
0: Don't give up, learn the process, trust the process, know the rd internship process that was one of the things i could wish i could have gone back and had prepared and got better mentorship on knowing like the dietetic internship process and how to become an rd ahead of time so i could have planned that it's not like a last minute thing that you can just go and figure out with the applying for it and then the you know the requirements the 1200 practice hours and what that entailed i wish i knew that more
1: yeah it's amazing I, i totally agree like if you're a freshman in college like learn learn it all now learn it now, find mentors. And I think too, like people think like mentors have to be like so much older than you. Like a mentor could be someone who's like a grade above you. Like it could be someone who, yeah, yeah. who's in the process. But yeah, I, I think, I think you've made a lot of great points today about, you know, how to shift your energy, where to spend your time, how to be passionate.
0: I tell young, um, like my brother who was six years younger than me. So he was going through the process later. Um, and so when he was going to like school and stuff like that, and I I even have like friends now that have pivoted careers because they still didn't know what they fully wanted to do. And I'm a little I'm 30 now, but like there are a lot of people that still aren't happy and they don't know. But I always say like. Start with what interests you, right? Like, what do you love doing? Like, what are your hobbies? What do you enjoy learning about? What do you enjoy reading about? What do you enjoy like watching TV about? Find out what your passions are, what your interests are, and then try to figure out if there's a career that can like incorporate that. Like there usually is, right? There's people that like doing makeup and hair, and there's a big role. You'd be, you know, you can be successful in that. There's um, people that like fixing things and like being like a mechanic, and there's a role for that. And then, um, you know, you don't have to go to college. I think that you can be very successful as long as you're passionate and have an idea of what you want to be doing. Um, getting an education is important. Um, but it's it's finding that passion and loving what you do um, and following those interests and, and starting there. If you really are starting to at a point where you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't have no idea what I want to do. And, and it's okay if that changes and you pivot careers and have other interests because you've accomplished things and you want to do something different. Um, don't ever feel like your life's too short to be in, in a rut or you know not figure that out. Like there's not enough time. You got to enjoy what you do and love what you do
1: um and, and maximize on that you sound like the high school guidance counselor that we all wish for. <laughs> uh
0: really? i don't do you I'm not not someone, i i do don't want
1: someone in high school were to say follow your passion and see if there's a job behind that passion do you know how many more people would have found out what they wanted to do earlier in life first no no one tells you in high school i thought just being a teacher was like the only job <laughs> like you're just not Well, able to they usually time.
0: it starts with like what your parents envision you to do or what other people think that you should be doing or what pays the most, right? What jobs are high paying. Um but you can create a successful business be of, you know, if you love video games, be an engineer, learn that. Like if you like creating apps and being creative, like technology is advancing so much, there's so many careers in that tech world. Um learn that. And it is important to kind of see where the trends are going, but it doesn't mean that you can't, if you're, if you love doing hair and makeup, like go make a salon and, and crush it and then open 10 more salons. And then, you know, that's, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you're right. I sound like a guidance counselor. So i sound very cliche, but it's so oh, true.
1: it's inspiring. I might become a hairdresser now. That's good. <laughs> well, Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. It was so much fun having you on.
0: Liz, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate the conversation, and uh, it was great to catch up with you.
1: Go, Huskies! (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluca and thanks so much for listening.